Capturing the world. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is David Carmichael II. And before we get into our new episode, I want to tell you about my brand, Capture the World. Capture the World is a black-owned streetwear brand from Hampton, Virginia. Capture the World represents the young generation of creatives around the world. Next up are Millennials and Generation Z. What is a creative? A creative can be described as an individual that sees the world differently from everyone else. A creative can be looked at as a leader or a person that influences people with their gifts and talents. A creative uses their gift from God, not for money and fame, but for the greater good of the world. A creative thinks outside of the box and brings innovation in the world. Anyone from the young generation can be considered creative and capture the world, but those people that are ambitious, passionate, and have perseverance are the only ones that can bring their gifts and talents into fruition and capture the world. Are you a creative? Do you want to capture the world? Capture World Apparel plans to provide the highest quality, high fashion, and give a unique look. You can visit our website at www.capturetheworldapparel.com. The world is yours. Capture it. This episode was recorded on September 24th, 2020. Hope you enjoy. What's going on, y'all? This is your host, David Carmichael II, and I am back with another great episode of the Capture the World podcast. I have two special guests this time. Um, before I mention them, though, I want to give a shout out to all of our Spotify listeners, YouTube listeners, and Apple Podcast listeners. Like I said before, I always got to mention y'all. Thank y'all for continuing to listen to the podcast, and please spread the word about the podcast. And introducing Catherine and Michael Redman. Um, they are sweethearts, best friends, and the husband and wife team behind a half of Bubble Out marketing and business consulting firm. Um, they are also um, the founders of Half of Bubble Out Village, um, which is a membership website website that helps leaders build their passion and their companies and um, helps them with that. And they're also our business leaders, and they help you know people grow their companies. Um, Catherine and Michael have both taught at universities at the university level, um, and they're frequent guest speakers. And they reside in the city of Chico, California. Um, and introducing Catherine and Michael Redman. How y'all doing today? We're doing well. So How good, are you doing, David? David? Thanks for having us on. No doubt. I'm so glad to be able to have y'all on too. So, um, how is it in California? California is clear today it's getting We're excited better about that i had lunch outside and with all the smoke we've had lately that's a rarity <laughs> yeah i know we had we kind of talked about it before um before the podcast about you know california how y'all been how it's been a lot of um you know wildfires out there it's kind of unfortunate that that you no know, it's still like it's to me i feel like i see that on the news a lot about what's a different wildfire in california um but you know just praying that people out there are being safe and just you know, it's just an unfortunate thing. It seems like you can't even prevent it from happening. It happens so much. Mm. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your prayers. We, <laughs> we, at the whole state of California needs them. Right. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, <laughs> so I have a, a, like an icebreaker question I want to ask y'all before we get into our conversation. Um, so I guess y'all both can answer this. 
So what is your favorite place that you have visited? Oh, I guess I guess um Michael you can go first if you want. <laughs> oh, favorite. I'm assuming um, that y'all did a lot of traveling. I'm just assuming that though. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we do a lot of traveling and uh we've been fortunate to go a lot of places. The place that is at the top of the list always is Catherine's hometown in England. It's okay. called York, York, England. It's yeah. got it's old Gothic city. It's got an old wall around it. You to walk into the city center, you got to go through these giant gates and it's just super cool. And her mom still lives there. So we have to go home every 18 months to visit. Mm-hmm. So that's real rough. That's rough duty. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. That's mine. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it, I was born there, but I left when I was seven. So if we're looking for an accent, that explains why there isn't one. Um, but I would say that of all the places we've been, York is my favorite. So for that to be my hometown is kind of funny, but um, I love going to York. It's got, along with the wall around it, it's got an old, like the one of the largest um, medieval cathedrals. It's like, you know, a third bigger than Westminster Abbey and almost as big as Notre Dame in Paris. It's just massive. And so it it's just a really, really amazing place to be and a great place for me to just go and as I, as I would call it, commune with my minster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like my York minster. It's pretty cool. Right. And you're closer to it than we are. You could just hop on a plane. You that's, go. That's true. Yeah. All you got to do is just go across the Atlantic and I'm there. Yeah. That's right. As soon yeah. as COVID's over, make a plan. Her mom will put you up. It'll be great. We'll introduce you. It'll be great. She'll give you a tour. Awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> funny thing is, though, because uh, I'll be turning 30 next month, October, and but earlier this year, I was like, you know, man, I'm turning 30, man. I gotta like, I gotta do, I gotta do a big, you know. So I was planning to do like a, um, like a little trip, right? And I was like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, trying to plan a trip and getting your friends on board, and then you like, okay, well, we gotta have this payment due by this day, and they kind of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna pay you the money. You know, what I'm saying it's kind of hard to get people to come on a trip with you. So in my mind, I was like, I'm a, I looked up these traveling companies and I was like, look, I'm just going by myself. You know, and I guess these companies, you can they'll link you with like a group of 10 people, 20 people. And I was really yeah. about to do that. And I was like, all right, let me pick where I want to go. And I mentioned going to Europe and like this little, they have like so many different plans you can choose from. Like you can go to China or Japan, Africa, anywhere. So, but I was like, I'm going to do Europe and I can visit, um, London, I think you go to London, Paris, Amsterdam, and somewhere in Germany. And it's like a week trip. And I was about to, you know, I was looking up to it and trying to do it. And then COVID came and just ruined everything. So I was like, dang, well, but I was like, I'll go ahead. You still need to do it. I think you should, as soon as COVID's over and you can go, you should go. And even if you're 31, you could call you it, do it. You could call it your special belated birthday present. Yeah, right, I mean, we no did doubt. this right. We were supposed to go to, on this uh, Mediterranean cruise for our twentieth mm-hmm. anniversary, and it got a bit messed up. And we ended up going just after our twenty-first. And you know what? It did not make the trip any less brilliant. Right. As long, <laughs> as, long as y'all were able to still go, that's all that matters, right? Right. It was amazing. Yeah. So you should go, <laughs> and then I want to hear all about the trip. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, because like I've been a lot of places in in you know this country, of course, but like out of the country, the only places I've been was Toronto and the Bahamas. You know, so I'm like, I want to start venturing out to different you know different 
countries now, you know, trying to do that a lot more. So yeah, that's definitely going to be my plans. Okay. Yes, yes, sir. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> it definitely is. Just seeing, you know, different places and just, you know, appreciating different cultures as well. You know, you're just so used to living in America and whatever this country has to offer for you. But just seeing how other people live and their lifestyles, just appreciate just the world we live in overall. So definitely yeah. want to do that a lot more. Um, no, I agree with you completely. That's a good attitude to have. It's it definitely allows you to appreciate what you have in America, and as as uh, less than perfect as we have it, everybody else in the world, it's not perfect anywhere else. And then on top of that, just seeing the way other people live their lives and eat and travel and and deal with life. It's just fun. Yeah. Just realizing like in Italy, you just like take your plastic jug and go down to the wine store every day and get fresh wine. And then you, well, you don't drink, you pour out and it's super cheap and really good. Right. <laughs> that was amazing. Sign me up. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> there are parts of Italy like that, that we miss <laughs> immensely. I mean, they have these jugs that like in this store, it looked like, um, you know how here in America you can go get your uh, your beer, your growler, your growler filled up. Uh, you know how that happens. Yeah. All right. Well, they have stores that have like just all these big vats of wine that they bring in, and it spoils quick. There's no preservatives in it, and so you just go down and like people will bring their two liter bottle of of plastic, like it used to be a soda bottle or a water bottle, and they go down and they fill it up and they go home for dinner, and that's wine for tonight. Tomorrow night you'll get more wine, and I'm like. This is genius. And it was like right. five bucks or something, right? Like wow. super cheap, but really good. No hangover, no headache. I don't know. It was pretty great stuff. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> Italy should right. be on your list. Dude. Let me add it to my. Let me add it to my list of places to go to. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, um, so let's get into a little bit about what y'all do. So, let's let's tell us a little bit of, uh, of a background about both of y'all, and then how did y'all end up meeting and becoming. A couple and being married for 20 oh, years. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. So we're going to try and condense this. For yeah, you. I know. I know it's a long before story. I'm sorry. This... You were alive, <laughs> so Catherine. Okay. So everybody needs to know that Catherine is two years older than I am. And mm-hmm. in school, we were two grades apart. So when she was a senior in high school, I was a sophomore. Okay. So we actually went to the same elementary school when she moved to Northern California in sixth grade and I was in fourth grade and we were in a play called the Hobbit together. Okay. And then we grew up going to the same school. So we knew each other from then, but we didn't, obviously a fourth grade boy does not appeal to a sixth grade girl. It's just, and, and then it just kind of works its way up right there. You just get no love when you're a sophomore and you're 16 and she's 18. She doesn't want anything to do with you, nor did I want anything to do with her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then over time, we would just, we had a friendship, a friend, common friends, and then we became friends. And then in our mid twenties, we ended up at a wedding and fell in love. Kind of a we'd known each other for ten years, but it was love at first sight. All of a sudden, for years, we couldn't even imagine dating, and then all of a sudden, we couldn't imagine anything else. And about eighteen months later, we got married, and that was twenty-seven years ago. Right. And it is, it is and so, just like that. Like that's the short answer. And it's like love at first sight then. And we're still, uh, we're deeply in love. <laughs> I love being married to her. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm a single guy. I haven't found my, my love of my life yet, but you know, hopefully that'll be coming soon. Just being patient. It's focusing on me and then it'll just come. So 
But yeah. congrats to y'all, well, though, man. Become become the guy you need to be to be a good husband. That's that's your job. Yeah, that's, that's true. She's doing the same. Right. <laughs> right. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, cool. So, um, I I read that y'all taught at, at the university level. Um, so what universities did y'all teach at? Was it the same one, or did y'all teach at different ones? Go ahead. Yeah. So um, Michael's done a lot and I've done a little bit. He's done a lot of guest lecturing at the university here, which is which is California State University, Chico. Mm-hmm. This is part of the California state system. And then um, we actually co-taught a um, master's level program in uh, it was in the organizational development uh, master's level. And it, for us, it was a nonprofit marketing and leadership. And we did that for so, three years in a row. Yeah, we did that for three summers in a row. So yeah, yeah okay. That was at Simpson University in Northern California too. Yeah, awesome. So two different universities. It was fun. It was a great experience. I don't want to be a college professor. New. No, I, I learned that. I, yeah, I wanted to ask, like, how is that? Like, is it more? You know, how is it teaching? You know, college students. You know, like, I guess someone that teaches like in a public school. You know, it seems like a professor would be more relaxed, I guess, because the students are, I guess, grown and they have to fend for themselves kind of like like Theoretically, they want to be there. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically, (laughs) they want to be in college. Uh, Yeah. You know what? It's funny. You still have people who don't want to be there and, and complain, roll their eyes, play on the computer in the back. Even when you're a guest speaker and you're like, it's like, okay. Um, and then um, I think guest speaking in the, in the higher level classes yeah. for the most part is way more enjoyable because when they start to become juniors and seniors, they actually start to appreciate people coming and sharing and, and um, giving of their time. And then teaching, when we taught the master's program at the other university, you had people who were just, you know, like, they were like, oh, this is just one more class I've got to take. And some people who loved the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun, but it was well. Now, when we also did one hundred percent online, and I think that for me, I want to be able to look in their eyeballs, right. and yeah. you know, I want to be able to interact and and kind of have that just that physical presence of being with people. So I I didn't love teaching, and it was what they called asynchronous. So it wasn't even like what we're doing now, where we're talking over Zoom and I can see you and interact with you. Right. It was just yeah. us recording videos and then grading papers and and talking with them on the phone some, but it was just, it was a much harder situation. I think um, as much as I love the value that online education brings and how much simpler it makes it for people, I think that for me as a teacher, it was harder for me. Mm-hmm. I really feel for the people that are having to do that now, especially with, you know, elementary school kids. I can't even, yeah. <laughs> like, I just go, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> respect to you and, and, and wow. I know. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to go do periodically and it's fun to guest speak at the university level. But for the most part, no. uh, it's just one of those things that we, it was really clear we weren't cut out to be university professors long-term. Uh, but I would hate to grow the papers all the time. And if I didn't have her, cause I got to co-teach with her and she did a lot of the grading and I, and we did a lot of, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. He, he gave me, he gave me that, that part too. That was the other reason I didn't love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can imagine. Cause like, um, what, so actually what classes did y'all teach? Cause I, you know, I can imagine if you teach in like a math class, it might be 
somewhat easier to grade because it's just either it's right or it's yeah. wrong. But if you grade like a paper, it's like oh, it's kind of like my opinion, and I I feel bad for giving this person the F or a D because it's not yeah. that good. It's like, how do you like? What's your what are you thinking about when you're grading? Well. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, there was nothing objective, particularly. There was no way. So we taught so. Um, marketing, leadership, uh, the places that it, that's where we had to do the grading stuff. But guest lecturing is really cool because you never have to an assignment. You don't have to do any grading. Yeah. You just right. get to show up and talk and leave. And leave. Um, I think exactly what you were saying. It, it's weird. P, when you're a student, when I was a student, I thought, it's got to be easy on the teacher. They just do their stuff, whether it's an English paper or a marketing project or whatever. They just look at it. They give you a grade. You may like it or not. Maybe you argue with them, especially in college. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't think about them and their perspective and how hard it was. And you get to this place where you're thinking, I was thinking about it. And it was like, I sometimes I was like, oh, I feel so bad for this person. They put all this work in and this isn't that great. And then there's, and I should grade it like this, but they're nice. And then there's other people who are like, this sucks and right. it deserves a D. And, but I'm they're going to be so pissed and they're going to cause so much problems. Maybe I'll just give them a C so I don't have to put a deal with them. Mm -hmm. And I feel, and I feel bad for saying some of that, but that's just kind of the, that's the real honest truth. That was kind of like the way it was. And then you had, two or three great students who were, you know, if they did a B work, you gave them a B and they were happy with it. And they worked harder and they wanted to know what they could do to improve. Mm -hmm. And they were just, they were wonderful. But I'd say the majority of them were great, but there was those two or three that kind of make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you, you always had those type of students in every class, at least one or yeah. two or three. Some people I'm like, why did you pay money to come here and do this? You're just miserable. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's probably because their parents told them that they had to go to college and they were Yeah, but we were at the master's level in this class. We oh, were dude. teaching a master's program. So I'm like, David, oh, some of these right. people were like 50 yeah. years old yeah. and they were miserable. You, you really had to pay money to be here. You you thought that you wanted this. So why are we screwing around? I don't understand. Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely agree with you on that then. If that's the case, yeah. I don't yeah. know what they're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the reason we run a business and are not in full-time education. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. I know that's we right. can fire clients when they suck. It's kind of hard to fire students. Right, right, right. Be nice to fire students. Great, you you out. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 cool. So, and mentioning um your business, that was that was my next question. So, I know y'all say y'all just y'all professors, and then y'all eventually you know created your business, um half a bubble out. So like when y'all actually, how long have y'all been doing it and what made y'all want to create a business? Uh, half a bubble out's been around 18 years. Okay. We've been at 18 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am very entrepreneurial at heart, but we were, I would had gone back to college when I was 30, graduated when I was 34. We actually, before we ever did this, we were pastors. Okay. And then I, we stopped doing that and I went back to college and I really, I think both of us thought we were going to go back and do that. And that was going to be our career choice. Mm -hmm. And then just some things changed and um, we really felt led to start a business and go, okay, how do we really, how do we do this business stuff and contribute in a way that um, makes the world a better place and makes 
business a better place? And can we combine our values with business and see what that looks like and make our lives better and make somebody else's life better? And so we kind of started with a a desire to do that, an experiment, if you will. I think it was experimental because we didn't know if we could succeed or not. We didn't know if we could succeed at being good business people. We didn't know if we could succeed at actually being able to do it well and have our values uh, match in there and then maintain quality life because Catherine and I both have parents that were divorced and we kind of, we well, we didn't kind of, we said, look, A, we want to do everything we can to have a healthy marriage so we don't end up divorced. Mm-hmm. And second, we want to make sure that we have a healthy relationship with our kids whenever they come along. And as it turned out, we had one child, we had one daughter and that was it. And we just kind of became a, a single, single kid parents, but we really said, okay, how do we, how do we go through all these challenges of building a business? Cause it's hard. You never know exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. Things change. Uh, the economy changes, weird stuff happens in life, diseases like COVID show up. And so you have to navigate those. How do you do all that? Stay profitable, pay the bills, take care of the family and not neglect your marriage, your kid, all that kind of stuff and have a healthy life on top of it. And so 18 years ago, we kind of started with that, that mindset and we, it was hard in the beginning. We, we grew the company uh, a little bit, got to a place where we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. And then, um, then the company grew 400%. Mm. And we hit a, a market niche because we've always been a marketing company. We hit a niche with, in the medical field uh, which we actually figured out how to market a laser treatment to kill tono fungus for podiatrists across wow. the country. Okay. And so <laughs> it makes for a sexy dinner conversation. Dave. Nothing better <laughs> than <laughs> saying, Oh yeah, we're really good at selling toenail fungus treatment. <laughs> and we did that and we grew 400%, David. I mean, can you imagine right now your company growing 400% and what that would mean for you financially and everything else? Right. Nah, shoot, I wish I can get 400% right now. <laughs> right? Right. Mm-hmm. But the downside of it is that 400% growth that's rapid like that, like it was within a space of 18 months, mm-hmm. just about killed us. It because was keeping up fast. with that level of growth is really, really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so, you know, you're, you, start having, you start having to hire people and, and you're, you, you realize that the stuff that you could just do when it was just you and a couple of other people now has to be put into some sort of system so it can be repeated and you don't have those systems in place. So you're trying to build them on the fly and, and you'd hire people that aren't the best fit and, and you take on clients that you should have said no to because it turns out they're jerks and you're like, it all sort of went crazy. And so we hit the place where we literally did not want to come to work anymore. And we had built this business. Like, like you know what? You go today. I'm, I'm out. Right, I'm I don't right. want to go yeah. into the, like my own business. We mm-hmm. actually considered closing the entire company down because it was so miserable. Yeah. Wow. And wow. yet, uh, we put so much time and energy into it. We didn't want to close it down. And so we said, okay, we've got to, uh, we, we decided we need to make some major changes. We got some, some mentors in our lives uh, and asked for help. And we said, okay, we were able to grow the company to this. 
Uh, one of the mistakes a lot of business leaders make is, especially when their companies are growing, is they think, well, I got it here, so I have everything, I have everything I need to get it there to the next level. Mm -hmm. And every time you come to a certain level in business, you need to learn new skills and change things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies fail. 90% of companies fail. And they fail in part because they aren't, they don't understand. One of the things they don't understand is they actually have to grow and change because how awesome they just, they start to buy their own press. Right. I was this awesome. And I, we grew a company to 400,000 and then it grew 400%. Now we're at 1.6 million and we're killing it. It's awesome. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, yeah, then it shrunk by half. Right. And, um, and we were miserable that whole experiment. Can we keep, can we be happy? Can we have a profitable business? Can we be happy in our marriage and have time in our life? We were, we were getting a D minus. <laughs> yes. Nine and that nine. was on an objective scale. As it turns out, it was just not a happy time. And we had a lot of money in the bank and it, yeah. just, it really went to prove that that saying we all talk about, but until you have the money and you find it out, it's hard to fully believe it that, it's not about the money. The money is important and you have to be profitable, but the money doesn't make you happy. I can agree. And it seems like it's always something we're striving for. Like, you know, some people might be like, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more time, if I just had a little bit more of this, and yeah. once you get all that, it's like, you got to really know, you just got to be happy in any situation in your life, no matter if you didn't have money last year compared to if you had money this year, you just wanted to find a way to be happy wherever situation you're in right now. So if something does happen, that's good. You can still, it's just an um, addition added on to your life already. And if something bad happens, you kind of are in a space where you know you can, you can overcome it. So it's not as bad as you think it is. So yeah, I can imagine, man, like I know for myself, if my company was to grow 400%, that amount of time like i know i would be i'll be real miserable too because you know i do all the shipping myself i make the clothes myself you know do the oh, wow. yeah myself. you'd be having to get some uh, little help there <laughs> yeah like I mean, my, my dad does help me but you know majority of the stuff i do myself and um i don't really have a team like that so i can imagine like me having to go through that too but you know it can be done you just have to get the people you need to help and then once you get that you'll be back on your feet so it is what it is. Get, right, get, you get the people to help, get the right people to help. And when you have a team, right now there's um, eight of us total on our team with uh, a couple of others that are freelancers. Uh, so that'd be 12 of us that are on the team, 10 of us that are on the team completely, eight of us here at the office. And it's really, really nice when you have a great team behind you. It's, it's awesome to work with people who you – share the same care and values and, and y'all get along and you're just, you're working towards the same purpose of building a healthy business. So everybody can, you know, the customers win, everybody gets a paycheck and everybody goes home going, I like my job. Yeah. All right. Can't have it any better than that. You know, especially bringing people on, on board that has the same vision as you, you know, like you have your own, y'all both have your vision for your business and they, and hiring people that cares about that vision it's what make it, it would make it so much easier for you, you know, cause some people did, you might hire them, but they just want a job. They don't really care about the purpose of the company. It's like, I want to help these people be, make this company great, you know? So for you to have a team like that, that's awesome. That's a blessing. A yeah. blessing indeed. Well, we had to figure out too. I mean, you know, we've, we've often said 
that the company grew beyond our leadership skill. Mm-hmm. So we really had to grow mm-hmm. as leaders because even, even the people that said that they, or might say that they care about your company, if they're not a good fit mm-hmm. for who you are as That's a leader, yeah. um, that can become challenging. So we had hired a couple of people who they were really nice people, but they needed a level of structure and sameness that we couldn't offer because we were changing too rapidly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so they, so they drove us crazy and we drove them crazy because we couldn't put, we didn't have the systems. Mm. Um, so we, we agreed we needed more systems. I don't know that we could ever be as systematized as some of them wanted us to be, right. but, um, <laughs> but you know, you, you learn about even who you are as a leader because suddenly you're looking at someone and you're like, you're a great human and I like yeah. you, yeah. but we are so badly matched. Like the, my style of leadership and who you are do not mesh. So it's it's really learning who you are, how you function, who you are as a leader, um, and then and then who what types of people can round out what you need in the company that you actually have the capacity and ability to lead. Mm. So mm. that's well said. Yeah, very well said. So like my next question to y'all is the name half a bubble out how did y'all what come up, up with, that, with name? that yeah what's up with, i mean not what's up with it but like i would like to know what's you know what's the meaning behind it you have to tell the story okay well i'll start with the actual technical meaning which is if you've ever hung a picture on a wall and you use a level yes and there's a bubble in the middle and if it's just slightly tilted then the bubble is half out Right. Okay. I like You're that. always trying to level it. So, so think of the carpenter's level as the image. So, <laughs> so the, the metaphor that we use often is we look at the world a little differently to solve your problems. It's another way of saying, think outside the box. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then when you look at people or dogs and they're confused they to try and get to find, to try and find some kind of structure, <laughs> they tilt their heads. Right. <laughs> You've seen that, right? Uh, so, that, so that's the metaphor in the image. But ultimately, what it came from was um, when we were going through a, a career transition, when we were leaving full-time ministry and thinking about putting Michael back in school, uh-huh. I was in a conversation with a mentor of ours. And I said to him, I said, Bob, we're thinking about putting Michael back in school. You know what's been going on here. What do you think of that? And he said... Well, Kath, your husband is a half a bubble out. So if you want people to respect him and give him, you know, essentially the respect he deserves because he's super smart, you probably just need to get the degree out of the way. So he described my husband as not level, which was great. Um, <laughs> but but that's a, kind of where it came from is that he was described that way. And then when we began to talk about starting a for-profit company, I was like, I I think that's what we have to call it. Especially I, a marketing company. You know, because, yeah. Which is what we started in the beginning and then it became a business development, business consulting company yeah. on top of it. Right. But yeah, it was, so it was, you know, you're trying not to harm. Matter of fact, when we told our mentor that we were going to call the company Half a Bubble Out. Oh, that we did call it that? He was embarrassed. He, was like, <gasps> he felt so bad because he thought he might have hurt our feelings or hurt my feelings, something yeah. like that. Like, no, it's true. It's, I, I look at the world a little differently. It's not, it always, sometimes it seems a little strange and weird. When I was much younger and I had less ability to communicate what was going on in my mind, I sounded like a raving loon at times, I think, <laughs> to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a joke 
when we started the before we started the company, I was entrepreneurial and I was always like, I'm going to start this company. I'm going to start that company. And part of my mindset was I could probably give myself enough encouragement and kickstart if I created a business card. So I started creating, I had a bunch of different business cards for different companies I was making. And then one day she looks at me and she goes, you're not allowed to have any more business cards. (laughs) No more business cards. Right. I think it took us about seven or eight months into starting half a bubble out before I even let him have a business card. I was like, okay, this thing might actually have something. So we'll, we'll make a business card. But we got a couple of checks that helped. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody paid you. (laughs) Somebody paid you for something that, okay. Okay. We can have a business card now. You got paid. So that's where half a bubble out, the name half a bubble out comes from. It is the, when, when we work with clients and we do, um, one of the things we'll do is help them rename their companies or name them for the first time. And we take them through a bunch of exercises. And one of the rules, you have to have good reasons to break one of the seven rules. And one of the rules is it's supposed to be easy to say and spell. And half a bubble out is on not. the phone is horrible. It's absolutely awful. But once people go, what, what did you say? And then you explain it to them. They do, they go, Oh, we love that. Or it's, if nothing else, it's memorable. Mm-hmm. And so it's so memorable. We just kept it, even though it was a pain in the rear to say on the phone. <laughs> yeah. I can agree with the, um, with the message part about a business. Cause you know, like even for me, like they see, they'll, I'll be like at a pop-up shop. They'll come over, like capture the world. Like they already gravitated to it because of the name. And then yeah. they're like, okay, well, what is this about capture the world? Like, okay. Like, what do you mean capture the world? And I explained the whole story and, um, yeah, they, they, they'll always be like tuned in and be like, man, I love it. I love the message. And that helps them want to, you know, purchase clothing. But I mean, having a meaning behind it, behind anything you do is very important because people are, people love to be tied to a story, you know, and once they feel like they they can relate to your story, they're already tuned in for what you got to offer. So I can definitely yeah. agree. Okay. So let me ask you a question real quick. So <laughs> yeah, ask me anything. Dad, yes. Okay. So your dad wanted to call it capture the world. Mm-hmm. Was was he thinking about something specific or was it just motivational for him or, or what? Where, dig in a little bit more for me on that one. Yeah. So like what he, what he told me was when, like I said, when he was incarcerated, he asked, um, he asked God to give him seven ideas. I don't know if it was even seven, but he came up with seven ideas. And I think like the names he had in mind was like David and David, something, something. And then like, he just captured the world came up and that was the one that stuck. And he just felt mm-hmm. like that was, that was the, the name. Like once you, you know, yeah. you, you know, when you, you, when you think of something, you'd be like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Like nobody mm-hmm. can tell me that's not the one. So he came up with that name. And like, for me, what that meant to me was, you know, he came up with seven ideas, right? So, you know, if you if anybody believes in God and read the Bible, you know, God made the made everything in seven days. So on the seven day, on the seven day, He rested. And to me, for my dad to come up to ask God for seven ideas, and then you know, it kind of relates to how God took seven days to create the world and the universe yeah. and everything. Then, you know, we got seven days in the week, and the number seven, you know, consider a lucky number. It's like the number seven really, it's like all around this thing, and then this caption the world how god created the world and we all all are made in his image and it's like you know we all have we all can create ourselves like god was a creator he's a creator we all are creators ourselves in a certain type of way 
So kind of like all that just kind of like correlates together. It's kind of like a deep, when you really get deep down into it, it means mm-hmm. a lot more than what you just read and capture the world when you really think about it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So once I, when I tell people all that, it's like, man, I didn't really get that from that. Like you explain the story, but once you got real deep into it, it means a lot more than that. So it's like, yeah. So once I tell people that, they get real excited and it's like, man, I love it. So awesome. I, I like it too. I love the fact that, um, the influence because God was so important for us in the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I said, we felt led really, we felt called by God to start the company when we did. And faith was just, has been an integral part of our lives almost forever. <laughs> and since we were little, yeah, we laughed that we were born in the pew, both of us <laughs> yeah, on different <laughs> sides of the world. Right. And, the, and then our daughter, you know, 24 and a half years ago, born in another pew pretty much um <laughs> but and i love that part of your story i love the fact that god's in the midst of that and i and one of the things that we believe is god loves commerce god loves business yeah and so we talk about that we talk about that a lot and our book uh fulfilled is all about how do you create this business called passion and provision is is the term we that we kind of gleaned over the years and went, yeah, it's about doing something that fuels you, but being guided by um, wisdom and in the midst of it, realizing that you need to make a profit. You need to make a profit to pay the bills today and you need extra profit to build for the dreams of tomorrow, to reinvest in the company and yourself and those kind of things. And so when we came out with, with that passion provision, as the subtitle for the book and our course is passion and provision. It just like we believe having a business is an amazing thing and a great opportunity. And if it's right for those people who are creative and, and like God made us like him in his, he made us in his image and we are creative and there's so many folks out there that have so many great ideas and with the business failure rate at 90% and 74% of Americans don't like their job, you, there's a there's something that's to be said that you need to learn how to figure out how do you not become one of the, the one in nine or nine in 10 that fail. Mm-hmm. One of those things is take that creativity and that ideas and learn the fundamentals of business also. Learn more about your craft of what you enjoy and what you want to be creating, but also learn about like for you, how do you sell the stuff? How do you make the stuff? How do you, you know, how do you grow your, your presence and your brand and all those kind of things that you've been working on and that you were sharing with us before we started the podcast, you, you do all those things. And it's like, there needs to be help. And so we wrote a book that we wanted when we started, that's yeah. kind of a holistic picture. Give us a clear vision of what we want to do. And then what's a plan, a business model that we can use that's going to help us kind of like give us structure so that we're, we're learning things like what are the important things you need to learn? We were asking that question in the beginning. And then how do we know, how do we grade ourselves on how we're doing in those things? Uh-huh. And the business model that over time we learned through books and mentors and just plain experience we put that in the book going, okay, this is a model you can follow and it will give you all you need to build that structure. And if you just work hard and are diligent at it, you're going to keep growing and you have a way better chance of being successful and seeing your creativity 
go somewhere and do something and provide a living in your life. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question about your book. And um, I was, you know, in the little press um, press release kit um, your assistant has sent me, I seen something that y'all mentioned like six core areas of running a business. Um, can y'all kind of shed a little bit of light on that? I know it can be, y'all can get real deep with it, but it's kind of like. <laughs> Five <laughs> hours later, we'll just read you the book. Right, yeah. yeah. That's, absolutely. So we we wanted to create a simple business model that people could kind of wrap their minds around and remember. So, you know, instead of the 18-point business model, we came up with like six core areas. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we created a wheel. So in the very middle of the wheel is vision. So we talk about your vision being, um, being made up of, and we use the model of from good to great with uh, Jim Collins. Mm-hmm. So your vision is made up of your core identity and your envi- and your envisioned future. So that so basically in core identity you've got your values, which are super super critical, and your core purpose. So that's kind of the identity part. Mm-hmm. And then on the um, envisioned future side, you've got your big hairy audacious goal. Right. What is it you're actually trying to do? What's How are you changing dream? the world? What's the big dream? Mm-hmm. And then a detailed description of what does the world look like if I succeed? Right. So it's really painting a picture of if I get to where I really want to go, what difference will that have made? And the reason that that becomes so critical is because when you have articulated um, that level of detail, then it gives you something to, to look at that can pull you through the hard times. Mm. But it feels like you're never going to get there. Right. But it feels like there's just no way. So we start with vision. And then the second piece we talk about is leadership, right? So in leadership, we're going to talk about the idea that there are there are two sides to leadership. There's your inner game and your outer game. And your inner game is all of that stuff that's happening in you that you really have to be growing in. Mm. You know, what... What is it that triggers you? What, what are, what are the, the mindsets or the things that you have, the tracks that are going on in your head that aren't helping? You know, what are the things that make you make decisions out of fear instead of out of vision and out of creativity? So we talk about the inner game and then we talk about the outer game, which is essentially how other people see your leadership. Are you good at getting stuff done? Are you good at systems? And are you good at people? So the inner and outer game of leadership. I'll let you take the next couple. Yeah, the other the other five, just high level, are management and operations. The other four. The other because I did two. four. You and did only two. Six. I don't know how to count. <laughs> well, you know, that's why you weren't a math professor. Just saying. <laughs> so management, operations, marketing, and sales, finance, and culture. So when you when you look at them all, you got vision in the middle, and then leadership, management, marketing, finance, culture. And the, when we talk about management, we're talking about those just day-to-day operations of what are you doing? How do you work with your team, whoever that is, whether they're freelancers or whether they're people on your staff and you're paying a payroll? And how do you think through the, mo- the best way to work with them, align them, make sure that things are going efficiently and things are getting done so that you can meet your orders, whether it's you know a bunch of new shirts that you need to get out or in our case, it's a bunch of clients that are coming to us for consulting and services so that their marketing is improved. And then when you go to the next step uh, out of management, you've got to have marketing set up too. Marketing and sales is critical. And a lot of companies, they just, they aren't, they don't know how to market well. They don't know how to market efficiently. Mm-hmm. 
And so they get stuck with, I can make widgets and I like making widgets all day long. Why won't anybody buy my stuff? And there's just a lot of work and, and fundamentals they need to learn there. So we have an eight step model that actually takes people from being, it teaches our uh, people who are doing this, how to turn complete strangers into raving fans and the eight steps in between those two. Okay. And so you build a model there. And then the next part is finance because you got to track the money and you got to make money, but it's amazing. You, you would be surprised at how many people who have large thriving companies don't know how to, uh, they don't, they don't know how to read all the financial reports. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the, a lot of companies and especially when they're younger, but even as they grow, they tend to run their companies based on, do I have money in the bank? And that's really the bottom line. Like, is there cash coming in? Am I good? But to understand how to even think about and project for the future, how to, how to deal with cash flow, how to deal with, you know, what is an expense? What's cost of goods? You know, where, where am I actually making money so I can leverage the things that are working and maybe decrease the things that aren't working? So there's a lot in finance. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of companies that literally they, they, they're scared of the money. So they just don't talk about it. They don't want to look at it. And, and they just kind of at the end of the year, look at the tax guy and go, did I make money? And it's like, that is no way to run a business. I, got a, I heard a quote the other day like, that, ah. that Charles shared with me. Do you know who Richard Branson is, David? Yes, yes. Yep. Okay, so for those people who don't know who Richard Branson is, he owns Virgin Airlines and Virgin Records and a whole bunch of stuff. He's a gazillionaire. He's got his little island. He was, he was a, a, his parents were blue-collar workers in England, and he was a kid that was just entrepreneurial. He said in a, a, a speech recently, he was in his 40s before he knew the difference between gross profit and net profit. Wow. wow. In his 40s. So, you know, he was fortunate. He didn't understand some of that stuff. And he still was able to to grow the company and thrive and become very wealthy and successful. But even he would not say that's a smart thing. Right. That is that's one of those places where you get in trouble. Yeah. And then the last piece is culture, which is ultimately, you know, how do you we would argue that if you're going to go far, you're going to have some sort some sort of a team. You're not going to do it alone because um Nobody, nobody can do it alone. <laughs> and like Michael said, whether even if that is a team of freelancers versus a team of in-house W2 employees, you still have, um, you have a team and, and that team is going to have culture. Mm. And the question is, are you going to be intentional about what's growing or are you going to just let it grow on its own? So we, we talk about kind of the fundamentals of developing a healthy culture and why that matters and how it impacts the bottom line. So we deal kind of with all of those areas. And um, a friend of ours said it was basically like a mini MBA in entrepreneurship for those that just, they did, they don't have the business background. Um, you know, they, a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs start their companies because they're good at something. Yeah, but then yeah. as they start to grow, there's all of these gaps because they never had to learn it. They never were in a situation to learn it. So how do you, how do you solve that, right? Mm-hmm. So and- it's, a, it's a step-by-step framework. It's like, it, it was meant to be just like real world examples with real world stories about people like us who who went through and did certain things right and made mistakes. But over the last 18 years, we've used the plan to build two seven-figure companies. We've got another company in the pet food industry. 
We have a staff that loves working with us. We love our jobs. We love our lives. We've got a healthy marriage. We've got a healthy relationship with our daughter. And even though all those years growing up, she said she would never work for the company. When she graduated from college, she asked if she could come work for the company. And so now she works for us full time. And it, this stuff is like, this isn't just theory. If, if somebody's out there thinking about, about building a company or they're, they're already building a company, but they want the most out of it and they want it to be, they want life to be enjoyable and full of, of life and they want to be fulfilled. This is a great book to have on the shelf. It's not the only book to have on the shelf, but, and we're not even thinking it is, but it's a great book to have on the shelf as a textbook to help guide you through the real world of business in America. Gotcha. Yeah. I definitely need to, um, purchase that book i have a lot of books man i need to finish reading i'm currently i well i was reading that um it's a book called um shoe dog by phil knight that i was oh, reading yeah, yeah so and like i've been real busy man I, I stopped reading it but i definitely get back to reading that i got the um rich dad poor dad book which uh, everybody's always talks about that book so I bought it to see, you know, what it's all about. I haven't got a chance to read that <laughs> What's yet. What's all the hoopla? <laughs> yeah, what's all the hoopla about this book? Y'all keep talking about this rich dad, poor dad. But, yeah, um, definitely got to add that, that book that y'all have to my collection as well, man. I, I like reading, like, entrepreneurship Well, and if you, uh, you know, if you really books. like our voices, you can get the audio book because we did read that ourselves. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I never tried an audio book. I definitely want to get into that. Cause I, do, <laughs> I, I mean, I listen to my own podcast and other people's podcasts, so... I would assume an audio book is kind of like similar to listen to a podcast. Yeah, similar. Yeah. If you think about I it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if if you get it and you read it, uh, and if you'd like it, we'd love to send you a copy, and I'd love your opinion on it. Okay, most definitely. I'd love to do that. Yes, yes, sir. So <laughs> I have a couple of more questions left before we um before we before I let y'all go. Um, mentioning, I know y'all mentioned finances, um, and y'all six core areas of running a business. So my question to you is what do y'all think is the best strategy to get funding for your business? Let's say like you're just someone that doesn't really have anything to start off with. Like what, what, what would you advise someone to do to really get something like their business to get off the, um, the ground? Cause I know Can some I people, yes. I'm sorry. I know, I know some people like they, in the beginning, they might use some of their own finances to fund it. Right. Um, some people might say that's not a good idea. Some people say that is a good idea. Let's do what you can until you can maybe get a loan or get somebody to fund your business. Like what, what do y'all think? Would be so the best option? here's what I, here's what we tell people on a regular basis. Um, first of all, getting a loan or getting an investor is very, very, very difficult. It's way harder than anybody thinks it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting enough, and when you do, getting enough money is even harder. Um, at one point, we had a business idea that we um, found investors for. They were willing to give us um, $100,000. They were willing to write us a $100,000 check, and, and it was like, to start. And then if we proved ourselves, they'd give us more money. They wanted 40% of the company for that. And we realized that even looking at the people who had a big checkbook and could have written it, um, it was real important not to take money with from somebody that we didn't want to be partners with. So if you're going to take investment money, you've got to make sure that you really 
want to be tied to those people because being partners can make your life miserable with the wrong people. So mm-hmm. there's those kind of aspects. The biggest thing I say is this, because we look for funding too. One of the reasons we all do look for funding is we're in a hurry. We want to be, we want to build, we think the business is going to be great. We want it to grow faster. And when you're starting a business, you best, you're best to just start it yourself with some money. Unless you have some really wealthy friends or somebody who just really sees your idea as being amazing. But it's way easier to attract money when you've proven the basic concept. So for you, you already have an apparel company. You guys have proven it. You're out there selling it. You're making a living doing it. You may not make a, be making as much as you want, but you're at least proving that they're, what you make, people want. And some people want. And so therefore money, if I gave you money, if I loaned you money, because this is the way people think when they're giving money to a business. If I loan you money or invest money in your company, I have to believe that you have something that's going to work as a good idea. And then the second part is I have to believe you can actually make it work because I'm not going to come work in your business. So a bank is going to do that, a venture capitalist or an angel investor or anything else. They have to believe that you have what it takes and you're not going to just give up when it gets hard. And so to bootstrap and build that and make it work at a very small level is the first thing to do. If you can grow your company slowly and you can accept that and have another job on the side till you can make a living or whatever you need to do, I think you're better off. We have funded our company ourselves. Mm-hmm. It hasn't always been easy, but we, it has been easier than having the challenges of a venture capitalist, but we have used financing for our house. We have, as our house grew in value, we had assets there. So we took money from that, took a loan against it. We've done things like that. Um, But that was way on down the road. In the beginning, it was do the best you can, make a living, go out there and and work and and just expect it's going to grow slower. Does that help? No, that does help a lot. And I can relate to the last thing you said on, you know, you know, being patient. Like you said, it might grow slower if you do it. The funding needed, funding it yourself way and, and getting the a full I mean a part time full time whatever job you have on the side, right. but it's all about being patient and knowing when it's the right opportunity. Like I, I think a lot of us for the most part any decision that we make, we know for the most part we know if it's the right decision or not. But sometimes we ignore a lot of things. Like we might <laughs> we might know for sure like okay it's not the right decision, but. I'm gonna do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? So like, you just you really got to be in tune with your mind and know like, this is not the right thing, and I'm not gonna do. It. I'm not gonna be pressured to make a decision I don't want to make. Especially when you mentioned the investors, like, um, you know, I, I, I watched a couple of episodes of Shark Tank, and it seems like they're they'd be put in a position to accept the offer or walk away. It's, and it's hard for a lot of people to walk away. Especially when you get on a stage like that, you see these more, these successful people in front of you. You already know they did whatever they did, and they're already successful. And it's right. like it feels like if you walk away, you won't never get another chance again. But you just have to know, and like they, you know, they come. Sometimes they come up with these crazy offers, like I give you a hundred grand, but I want fifty percent of your company. And it's like, all right, you're getting 100 grand, but is it really worth it to give 50% of your company to someone? Even though yeah. you already know Actually, they're successful. 
Yeah, especially if 100 grand isn't enough to make your concept work, which means in another six months, you're going to need another 100 grand and then they're going to want another 25% of your company and so on and so forth. So that's that's where it can get really scary. It didn't end up working Um, for that person. It's not even your company anymore. Exactly. Well, and you want to hear a funny story about Shark Tank. A friend of ours (laughs) was there for filming because they film about once every two months. Okay. They film for several days. Those interviews that we see that are 10 or 15 minutes long are actually four to six hours long and they edit them down. Wow. They actually spend that much time with these people and the sharks all together. And he said they grill them for four to six hours and then they go out and have lunch, come back and do it again to somebody else. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, it's harsh, man. I mean, I can imagine like, cause when I, when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, I, I know it's, they're talking longer than this. Like <laughs> you just don't go in there and just talk business for 15 minutes and be like, all right, if you're going to set my offer or not, like, no, nah, it's, it's more detailed than that. But, yeah. but yeah, like that's mentioning, you know, that's, I kind of comparing to what you just mentioned about that, man. Just to me, just do what you can do with your own, in your own situation. Don't be too, um, don't react too fast to get funding, especially how you mentioned, you know, make sure it's the right person, Let's make sure it's the right situation, no matter what decision you're making for your business. So um, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I agree with we, that completely. You yeah. know, if you're going to borrow money from a friend or someone in your family, I just really like I, I don't even know how to say strong enough. Make sure it's something they can afford to lose. Yeah. You may because lose if it. you lose it, then that relationship is at stake. And so if they go into it like you're going to solve my problems or I'm giving you my last, you know, my last 10 grand and then you lose it, the stress, the anguish, um, all of those things are what rob us of life. Right. Uh-huh. So, um, so it's, I think it's just really important that if you're going to borrow from friends and family, that it's really, you're borrowing extra that they, they can afford to lose and as they some, recognize the, the risk. As some guy right. said one time, you should never be investing your grocery money. No, don't invest <laughs> your grocery money. Right, right. Yeah. Or invest your own grocery money, but don't invest your friend's grocery money. That's really not good. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that those are facts because, you know, money is one of the main things that ruins relationships. You know, unfortunately, um, marriages, friends, family, parents, you know, like, so going back to what you said, Catherine, like, you know, if you're going to do something for somebody, make sure you're doing it because you want to do it, not that you really want something in return. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like when we do stuff, we do later on down the line. We might, we, we might say, "Well, remember when I did this for you back then?" But you know, we do say that sometimes. But overall, you know, just do it because you want to do it from the kindness of your heart. And mm. if, you, if you go into it with that intention, it will be less, I guess, stress or less whatever arguments because you already was doing it for with a good heart. So, yeah. well said, David. Well said. Um, so I got this two more questions for y'all before I let y'all go. Um, my next question to y'all is, I know y'all gave a lot of advice so far about entrepreneurship and business, but if you can just say one thing to an entrepreneur or business owner, um, about business, that's one piece of advice. What would you say to them? You go first. (laughs) Um, I would say, make sure you have a business model. Uh So, I mean, yeah, and that's not just to tout the book. That sounds very self-serving. But the fact of the matter is too many people start a business and they just don't have a good understanding of all of the components of running a business. Um, you know, and, and even 
even people who have gotten sometimes gotten like their MBAs, because even, you know, you go to a university and most of the studies that you're going to do in business are large corporate America, right? They're mm. not small business Joe, <laughs> right? right? Whereas it turns out you don't have people to do all that stuff. You are that person. <laughs> so you better have at least a minimum competency, a minimum working knowledge of the core areas of business. So learn, like if you're going to start a business or you've just started a business, like read. And if you hate reading, then buy an Audible account and listen to books, but start, start being trained mm. so that you're not, you're not just entering it with just one fraction of, um, of what it actually takes to be successful. That's good. Love it. And I would say have a clear vision. Uh, pick something that you really enjoy, that you know something about, and that you really enjoy, because it's going to be hard, and you're going to need a you're going to need a a reason bigger than yourself of just making money to pull you through the tough times. Yeah. And so, if you have something like that, that you've got a clear vision that's bigger than you, and you enjoy it, you're you'll have a way better chance of of surviving the rough seas and uh, making it through. And it, plus it just makes it more enjoyable just doing it. Going to work is a lot easier. Yeah, that's that's true. Cause that's one I once that's one thing I said with a previous guest. Um just enjoy what you do in the beginning because you'd be more it'd be easier for you to make it through whatever struggle that comes about because you already are passionate about what you do. So if you go into it not just to make money, but if you already love what you do, it'll be easier for you to just keep going. You know, so you'll quit real easy if you just going in, going into it for money and it doesn't work out. So, yeah, having that passion is very important indeed. Um, so my last question to y'all before I let y'all go, and I say this to all my guests. This is a question I ask all my guests, and it's a broad question, so don't think about it too much. But my question is, how did you plan to capture the world? And this related to what you do for a living. Yeah, because some yeah. people say capture the world. I can't capture the world, but this related to what you what y'all do. How do you plan to yeah. capture the world in your in your field? I think uh, life is too short to think you're going to work through it till you're 50, 60, 70 years old, and then retire and somehow enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And work should be something. I think it was intended to be something that was fulfilling to us. So if you're going to build a business uh, for us, if we're going to capture the world, we're all about that message of, of how do we help more people? And our, our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal for our company for the next 20 years is how do we help 10,000 business leaders like you, David, understand and grow passion provision companies so you can have, you beat the odds, you survive, and you make life better for you your family and your community. And if, and if we can do that, then our life has been well spent. And I would hazard to say we help capture the world for something good. Awesome. I love it. Amen. I love it. I love it so much. So, um, Catherine and Michael, yeah, this is a great conversation, man. Like I said before, everybody I have a chance to speak with on this podcast. I just love to, you know, find out what's on their minds and just learn about what they have going on. We can both learn from each other. So um, before we go, did y'all want to give out like any social media 
outlets and websites and stuff where people can reach y'all? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for for your audience, for the people, I think the best thing is fulfilled the book. Okay. Dot com. So fulfilled the book. Um, and that's a great place to connect with us. Um, you can buy the book on Amazon, but if you go to fulfilledthebook.com, it's half off plus free shipping. So it's a bargain. And then there's some extras, yeah. uh, some bonuses that are thrown in with that. So pieces and parts that'll be great for them. And they, they can just have that access. So fulfilledthebook.com, get the book half off, get some extra bonuses thrown in there. And, uh, and then you can get back to our core website from there. So you can find us from there. Easily. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Awesome. So, yeah. So, um, to all my listeners, man, like I said before, thank y'all for being a part of this podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Um, thanks. You know, everybody's listening on Spotify, Apple podcasts and YouTube. Um, just thank y'all for sticking with us and we got plenty more content to come. So Catherine and Michael, thank y'all again. And we'll see y'all on the next episode of the Capture World podcast. Y'all be safe. Have a blessed one. Peace. Peace.